How you guys feeling this morning? You guys good? Good. Um, I want to, this is a special Sunday for us, very special, because uh, today, for the very first Sunday, we are live streaming into Stepping Into the Light Homeless Shelter today. Uh, Bishop Bracely, we love you guys. We thank God for you. We welcome you to our church family. Um, we're also live streaming down to Shaw. We, let's, let's hear it for Shaw. Can we hear it for Shaw Campus? Hey. Welcome. Um, and folks that are watching uh, all over the place. Um, it's, a, it's a really, really special time. We've, uh, we reached out to Bishop Bracely uh, from Stepping Into the Light, which is one of the homeless shelters that's one of our mi- uh, partner missions. And, um, and we got them all set up. They got a big old TV that big there, and they got everything dialed in. And a member of our team is out there and, uh, and prepared to serve them and pray with them and do communion and whatever else uh, we can do. So um, awesome. Thank you guys for making it happen. Uh, this, is, this is great. I want to let you know um, there are some really fun and exciting events coming up. Um, I know that all of you uh, read my emails when I send them out. Amen. Can we get a yes? Amen. Amen. Um, if you didn't get an email from me this week, that means I don't have your email address. And I'm very, I'm very discriminating in, in how long my emails are and how often I send them. Isn't that right, folks? So, so just know you will not get spammed, okay? Um, but I will let you know what I told you in the email. The first one is that we're going to have Christmas Eve services this year. We're going to have four Christmas Eve services. Um, we're going to host them down at the Shaw campus. Uh, we can't host them here because there's a, a movie playing on Christmas Eve here. So don't come here, okay? Unless it's a real, it better be a really good movie if you come here instead of to the Shaw campus uh, for Christmas Eve service. We're going to have a candlelight, uh, four candlelight services, five o'clock, six o'clock, seven o'clock, eight o'clock. Um, and so we just invite you to come out to that. And then, um, you know, usually every year we do what we call 21 days of prayer and fasting. And we've done that for many, many years. This year, uh, for, the, for the beginning of the year, uh, this year we got together with the team and we said, you know, let's start thinking about and praying about what we might want to do this year. Do we want to do the exact same thing or do we want to, you know, stretch it out a little bit? So this is what we came up with, okay? So buckle in. You ready? Here's what we're going to do this year. We're going to do 30 days of prayer, fasting, and fitness. Prayer, fasting, and fitness. What we're going to do is we're leasing out um, U City High School Gymnasium for the U City folks and Melampi School Gymnasium for the Shaw folks. And every weekday, Monday through Friday, we're going to get there at 6.30 a.m., Amen, somebody? 6.30. We're going to get there at 6.30. We're going to pray together. We're going to read the scripture. People are literally going like this right now. No, we're not. No, we're not. Okay, well, I'm going to be there. Me and four, the other four of you are going to come. No, it's going to be awesome. We're going to get together. We're going to pray. We're going to read the scripture. uh, And we're going to spend some time in, in prayer and devotion. And then about 25 minutes into it, we're going to break. And those of you who need to take off and go to work, you can take off and go to work. Those of you who, have, who are able to stay, um, you can stay and we'll have the gym until 730 in the morning. So we can shoot hoops, we can jump rope, we can stretch, we can run the track, we can do, you know, we can get, we can work out. Um, we believe that God cares about our soul, spirit, and our body. We believe that our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit and, and, and that God cares and that he wants us uh, to be healthy in body, mind, and soul. So that's what we're going to do this year. Amen. By the power of the Holy Spirit, right? Okay? Now, for those of you who are going like this, um, I do have something for you, okay? Because on January 31st, the last Friday of the month, at the very end of the month, we're going to do a family feast. 
Oh, now you're doing this. Interesting. <laughs> All about the fellowship, not about the fitness. I see how we are. Um, we're going to have a big potluck. And we're going to host it down at the Shaw campus. And it's just a church-wide event for everybody. All right? So everybody from Shaw, U-City, we're all going to come together. Bring a dish. If you can't bring a dish, I'm sure there's going to be plenty of food. So just come. And uh, we'll have tables and chairs set up all over the place. And we'll just have a big family feast where we get together. We enjoy each other. We listen to some music. And we just have a great time together. Um, there's some more stuff coming up in the new year. But I'm going to trickle that out slowly, okay? So come back next week to find out more things that are happening. Um, today, we are going to pause with the announcements and we're going to launch into part two of our Messiah series. We're in a Christmas series right now that we're calling Messiah because uh, for thousands of years, Jews were, were waiting for a deliverer. They were waiting for a liberator. They were waiting for someone who would come and free them from bondage and free them from, from oppression, free them from suffering. And, um, and, and so they always talked about this Messiah that was to come. Uh, and one of the prophets uh, spoke gr a great deal about the Messiah, uh, Isaiah. And the way he put it is this. He said, unto us, a child is born and unto us, a son is given and the government will be upon his shoulders. And then he told us what we're going to call him. And he said, and his name shall be called wonderful counselor. Last Sunday, we talked about the wonderful counselor nature of God. And, and, and when you're struggling, that God is with you and you can reach out to this wonderful counselor. He said, we're going to call him wonderful counselor, mighty God. We're going to focus on mighty God today. Tell somebody mighty God. Mighty God. Tell him with a little gravel in your voice. Say mighty God. <laughs> mighty God. Everlasting father and prince of peace. Everlasting father, prince of peace mighty God. I want to read a passage of scripture and I want you to track with me because it's kind of a long passage of scripture. I actually debated about whether to have you stand up for the scripture or not. Maybe I will. Would you mind to stand with me right now? Would you just stand with me right now? And Shaw, you guys can stand with me. Hopefully everybody's, yeah, okay. I didn't make the first service stand. So um, anyway, um, this is a, 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 a story in the gospel of Mark about the Messiah, the mighty God. And I'm going to read you this story and then we're going, to, we're going to dive into it. It says, on that day when evening had come, Jesus said to his disciples, let us go across to the other side. A little bit of context. Jesus had been, had been preaching and teaching and healing and crowds were pressing in on him from all over the place. He had been, and he was getting tired and he was in a boat because the crowds had pressed in so hard that he got into the boat and he was preaching from the boat onto the land. And, and he told his disciples, let's get into the boat. Let's go to the other side. Leaving the crowd, it says, they took, uh, they took him with them in the boat just as he was. And other boats were with him. So everybody got in the boat. They started heading across the lake. No problem so far. But then it says, a great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling up. This was a massive storm. Uh, we had the great privilege of getting to go to Israel uh, this last year. We were on the Sea of Galilee with some very dear friends of ours. And, and I'm going to show you a quick picture. This is my wife and I on the Sea of Galilee. <laughs> um, I got some awes on that, but really it's more about the topography. Uh, um, so... <laughs> The, 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 the Sea of Galilee is about 700 feet below sea level. It's about 200 feet deep. Some of these cliffs along the edges are up anywhere up to 1,400 feet high. So when a storm comes, man, this sea gets really, really, really messy. It gets, in 1992, they actually uh, measured the waves at 10 feet. 
uh, 10 feet high on the Sea of Galilee. Now, we're in a big boat that probably 50 people could be in, um, but we got to see the kind of boats that Peter and those guys were in. They were in these little tiny vessels, these little tiny uh, fishing vessels. I'm not going to keep you standing the whole sermon, so here we go. Um, the storm's coming in. It's raining. It's, it's, it's pouring. The waves are coming into the boat. You would think that Jesus as a good leader, as a good captain, would be out there with his crew bailing stuff out and trying to, you know, help them through the storm. But the scripture says, but Jesus was in the stern, asleep on a cushion. Anybody ever felt like Jesus was asleep on your problem? Yeah, like, like you're going through something and you're going, where are you? Are you awake? Because I'm calling you, right? Jesus is asleep on the cushion. And so they woke him up and they said to him, teacher, do you not care? That we are perishing. Now that's a real question. And some of you have asked that question. In the midst of your pain. In the midst of your heartache. And you say, do, do you even care? I spoke with somebody this week. And it was sort of heartbreaking. He said to me, I believe God is there. I just don't believe that he cares for me. And, 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 and they meant it. I, I have a theoretical belief in God. But I, it's, I can't make the trip from he's there to he cares for me. That's what they were feeling. And, um, and so Jesus, it says, woke up and he rebuked the wind and the sea. Rebuked means he put it in its place. He put it where it needed to go. He rebuked it. Peace be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. And then he said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? See, they had been watching him heal people and teach and preach and do a miraculous work. Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Today, I want to preach on the topic, mega storm, mighty God, mega storm, mighty God. On your way to your seat, tell somebody he's mighty. Tell him he's mighty and grab your seat. He's mighty. Um, I don't know if any of you have ever been in a in uh, an airplane that's in the middle of a thunderstorm. Any of you guys ever been in, on a plane where you just hit like a massive thunderstorm? Years ago, I was on a plane and I think we were flying from LA to St. Louis or, or the other direction, I can't remember. But we hit this thunderstorm. In fact, right before we hit it, the pilot came on and it didn't scare me what he said because he said, hey folks, we're about to hit some turbulence, please buckle up, right? And I've been in turbulence before, that didn't really frighten me. It just seemed like, okay, that's fine. But then he said something that I hadn't heard before. He said, flight crew, please also sit down and buckle up because we're going to have some significant turbulence. I was like, huh, the flight crew is getting buttoned up on this. This is going to be an interesting ride. And no sooner did he say that, that we hit that first wave of turbulence. And man, I, it felt like we dropped 50 feet. It just whoo. And I don't know if you've, if you've been in that environment, man. It is terrifying because like you're just thinking... I don't know about you, but I'm, think, I'm seeing us go, I'm just seeing the end right there. Uh, drinks were flying, people, and every time it would do that, like wave after wave of turbulence, people would just let out this spontaneous, ah, like that, which made children start crying, which made the whole experience terrifying, right? I was like, I got my sick bag, you know, people thought I was going to get sick. I was actually going to speak in tongues, but I didn't want people to know. But, come on. So... So, so, so this storm is coming on. And the problem with the storm is that there's literally nothing you can do. You have zero ability to stop the storm. You have no control 
over the storm. There is nothing you can do. You didn't ask for the storm. You didn't cause the storm. You didn't put yourself in a situation where you invited a storm. You're just in a storm that came out of nowhere. It came out of the blue. In fact, when the disciples experienced this storm, they, it's probably when they least expected it because Jesus is the one that told them to get in the boat in the first place. You remember, I mean, they were in the perfect will of God. God, Jesus is the one that said, hey, let's get in the boat, guys. We're going to go to the other side. So when you hit a storm and Jesus is the one that, that led you into the storm, now you have to start going, wait a minute, Jesus. What are you trying to, what are you trying to, what are you trying to do bringing me into a storm? Just because you are in the will of God does not mean you won't experience storms. We all experience storms. We all, we experience them. The scripture says it rains on the just and the unjust. If you live long enough, you're going to hit some storms in life that are terrifying storms over which you have no control storms that you didn't expect you didn't ask for you didn't bring on you're going to get a call maybe some of you have had this experience a son or a daughter uh, uh, you discover has an addiction and you don't know how to to help them navigate through that storm and you feel powerless to help them in that storm a parent gets a diagnosis you get a phone call you weren't in a storm you got a phone call now you're in a storm because they say i just got a, a cancer diagnosis or you were trying to have a baby and there was a miscarriage and suddenly you find yourself in a storm and you don't know, how am I going to navigate through this? Or a betrayal. Somebody you love just stabbed you in the back, just turned on you out of the cold, out of the blue. You weren't expecting it. And now you're in a storm. You lose a job. You, we fill in your blank. OK, you fill in the circumstance that you know that you've experienced in your life where suddenly a storm comes along. And how do I get through this storm? How am I supposed to navigate through the storm? Because it's terrifying and I have zero power to stop it. A lot of us, when we experience storms, at least for me, my first reaction is anxiety. I immediately start, I immediately start freaking out. I'm like the disciples. I just freak out about the storm. That's my first, that's my go-to move right there. I just like start going. And because what I do then is I start really focusing on the negative circumstances. And I don't know if you do this, but then I start focusing on the negative circumstances that haven't happened, but may happen. You know what I mean? And now the storm, which is bad, is getting exaggerated and distorted into even something. Now I got hurricanes coming in. I got floods. I got, you know, nuclear, you know, what is it called, baby? Yeah, tsunamis. We got stuff. Thank you. Um, right? And suddenly, you know, suddenly your storm has just gotten completely out of control. Right? Because when you enter into a storm over which you have no control, you start to worry. You start to become anxious. You start to fear. Other people... In order to not experience that, they go into this phase, which I call the denial of the storm. This is like, what storm? <laughs> right? I don't see a storm. <laughs> right? They're getting nailed, and they're just acting like everything's cool. And we can deny in a lot of different ways. We can den deny by medicating the storm or medicating our experience of the storm. Right? We can deny by just flat denying. We can deny by, by, by getting distracted. We can deny a lot of different ways to deny. I don't know if you've ever met anybody or maybe you're the one that when you hit a hard time, rather than face it head on, you just start pretending that it didn't happen. You just try to float above it. My little daughter, Eden, what she does when she doesn't like something, she just goes like this. She closes her eyes and her ears because in, in, in her mind, that makes the thing go away, right? The thing doesn't go away. It's just that she's trying not to see it. A lot of times when we're in a storm, this is what we do. We, we try to shut it down. We try to deny that it's even real. Uh, another thing that happens is if we get hit st storm after storm after storm, we start experiencing resignation. Resignation is when you just start going like, well, whatever. 
This is just the way life is. I'm just going to get hit again, and I'm going to get hit again. There's nothing I can do. I mean, I'm just going to buckle down and just, this is, I guess this is it. I guess this is my life. And you become cynical, and you become bitter. And then even when you're in a calm, you're just waiting for the next storm because your life just has been wave after wave of storm. You don't know how to get through it, and so you just become angry at life because all you expect is another storm to come and you didn't navigate the last one well and you don't think you're going to navigate the next one well and you say man i'm just gonna i mean whatever i'm just gonna ride this out the disciples were in a boat in a storm the one thing that they they didn't do and the one thing that we don't do is they failed to recognize who was in the boat with them you see, in our storms in life, a lot of times we are in a storm and yet we fail to recognize that the author of creation is actually in the boat with us. He's in our life. He is available to us and he actually controls the wind and the rain. You see, the disciples forgot that. They didn't reject Jesus. They didn't have a rejection problem. They had a recognition problem. I know a lot of Christians myself included, who over and over again have to be reminded, who's in my boat? Who is it? It's in my boat. The scripture says this about Jesus. It says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And then it says this, and, and, and by him, everything was made. And then it says, and nothing was made that he didn't make. He made everything. In other words, and then it says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And it's talking about Jesus, okay? What the scripture is telling you and what the disciples didn't realize is that the guy that was sleeping peacefully in their boat made the wind. Come on, somebody. He made the, the waves. He made the rain. He made the wood from which the boat was carved. He, he made them. He made their life. He was in control of the situation. He was in control of the sun and the stars and the moon. He's the one that separated the water from the land at the beginning of time. The, the almighty God was in their boat and they didn't realize it. So they started panicking. They started denying. They started resigning. Don't you even care that we're in this situation? Because they failed to recognize who was in their boat. I wonder today, do you recognize? I mean, really? Do you recognize who's in your boat? Do you recognize that Almighty God is in the circumstance that you're in right now? He's with you. He doesn't leave you. He doesn't forsake you. Here's how I know they didn't recognize him. They knew who he was, but they didn't really know who, who he was. And here's how I know, because this is what they said to him when they were freaking out in the middle of the storm. They woke him and they said, teacher, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Now, if I'm in a storm, I don't need a professor. I don't need a meteorologist to talk to me about the nature of the storm, right? Why do they call him teacher? Because they're only seeing a certain aspect of him. They're not seeing the wholeness of him. They're not recognizing that mighty God is in the boat. They're calling him professor. And what they need is the power of the Holy Spirit in their life. They're not saying, they're not saying God, help us. They're saying, teacher, don't you even care, right? My wife and I got home from a date night. This is a while back and we were kind of hungry still. The kids were in bed. And so I go over to the refrigerator and I open the refrigerator and there's a, pie, a pizza box of pie pizza. Does anybody like pie? You know, the pie place pizza. I mean, it's not Emo's, but it's, it's you know, it's work. It's getting up there. Um, and 
Uh, it, and, and so there were two pieces of pizza in the box, two pieces. My wife and I just got home, there's two pieces of pizza. So I just got my piece, I just got a piece, and I just ate that piece. And it was pretty good. You know, it was cold, but it was a good piece of pizza. My wife is very much smarter than I am. She got a plate, she got the pizza, her little slice. She put it in the little toaster oven. She turned it on and like in a few minutes, like the cheese is melting and you can smell the aroma of the pizza and the tomato sauce is bubbling, right? And then she pulls it out and it just looks so good. It just looks so good. And I was thinking like, ah, that's what I should have done, not eat the rubbery cold pizza from the fridge. So I said, you know, like, cause we just had a date, you know? And so I go, hey, would you mind if I just have a little bite of that pizza, just a little bite? And she says, um, no, you already had your piece. This is my piece. This is my piece. So no, you can't have it. So then I said, and I thought this was pretty good. I said, babe, this is a good one. Try it. I said, babe, what would Jesus do? I really did. I promise you. So well, I thought, you know, maybe we'll just get in there with this theology, right? You know what she said? She didn't even miss a beat. I said, what would Jesus do? She didn't miss a beat. She said, Jesus would multiply the pizza, but I'm not Jesus. And she, that's what she did. See, I was calling upon the moral teacher. She was talking about the mighty God. You understand what I'm saying? She, she was, the disciples are going, hey, professor, don't you care? Right? But they forgot who he really was. They forgot that the mighty God has power of the storm. If you're taking notes, write this down. Recognizing his power brings rest in his presence. Do you know, while he was resting, they interpreted his rest as callousness. But you know why he was resting? He was resting because he was in control. He was resting because there was nothing to worry about. He was resting because there was nothing to fear. He knew how this thing was going to turn out. He was resting because, not because he didn't care, but because he was in control. When I was a kid and I was afraid and had a nightmare, all I needed to do was walk to my parents' room, peek in the door, and if my father was resting, if my father was asleep, then I knew that all was well because I trusted his authority in the house and I trusted his power in the house. I, tr I knew that if he's sleeping, everything's cool because if something bad is going to happen, he's going to be up and he's going to handle it, right? Jesus is in the boat resting because it's all good right a lot of times we freak out in circumstance because we fail to recognize the power of the man in our boat are you with me this morning i think we freak out on our finances because we forget that the man in our boat owns the cattle on a thousand hills i think we freak out about diagnoses because we forget that the man in our boat is the great physician i think we freak out because in bad relationships because we forget that the god in our boat will supply all of our needs I think we experience unnecessary shame and condemnation and guilt and fear because we forget that the man in our boat is the one who, who received stripes and received bruises, who was bruised for our iniquity, the scripture says, who, who was beaten for, for, for our wounds and by his stripes we are healed. The chastisement of our peace is upon him, right? We forget who he is. We forget that the man in our boat is almighty God. We don't have anything to fear. We can rest in his presence if we recognize who he is. And the problem is, if we don't recognize who he is, then we, we, we forget and we disregard the promises that he makes. In other words, if we, if we misunderstand the nature of his person, then we disregard the promises of his power. 
I know this because Jesus told them at the very beginning of the story all they needed to know in order to relax. And we skip, we kind of move right past it and this can happen. He said in Mark 4, 35, he said, on that day when evening had come, Jesus said to his disciples, let us go across, somebody help me, to the other side. He told them the end of the story at the beginning of the story, people. Are you hearing me? He said, this is where we're going to end up. And so I'm going to go take a nap. But because they didn't believe in his power, they couldn't hear his promise. They forgot about his promise. They didn't. They were worried they were going to end up 200 feet below below the surface. He had already told them where we're going to go. He already told them where we were going to end up. Here's what I want to tell you today. Don't let your worry speak louder than his word. Don't let his worries speak louder than the promises that he has already extended to you. If you're a follower of Jesus, he's made some promises about who he is, who you are, how it's all going to turn out. But in the middle of a storm where the waves are are lashing against the boat and the wind is blowing, we can get all of that noise crowding out the reality of who God really is and what he said about us. We can forget the promises that he made for us. We tend to forget that. We, we forget who God says he is and where we are going. And this is what happened to the disciples. He said, look, I'm, I'm going to get you to the other side. We're going to the other shore. And they said they forgot all about it and they panicked. I wonder if, if, if God is saying something in your heart or maybe has said something to your heart years ago and you forgot what he said. When we planted One Family Church right before we launched it, I had two voices in my mind. Two voices. One was a voice of faith and one was a voice of fear. The voice of faith was saying, do what I've called you to do. Go do this. I've, I've commissioned you. I've appointed you. Go do this. The voice of fear was saying, I got a, I got a good job. I got a house. I got a wife. I got kids. I'm, a, I'm afraid. What if I step out and I blow it? What if I step out and, I'm, and, I, and, it, and it, just, it just falls apart? You know, what, what if... But there was, a, there was a voice many, many years ago when I was a child... When I was a teenager, God called me into, into ministry, called me to be a pastor. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, and he's anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. Bind up the brokenhearted, Isaiah says. He, he had called me to that, but the noise over the years of the storms was drowning out the voice of God. Don't look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about in your life. God has spoken clearly to you through his word. He says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He said, all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord. He said these things to you, for you, and about you. Don't let the noise of the storm drown out the noise of his voice. Are you with me this morning? Now, here's the, here's the reality. Sometimes we actually need the storm to experience his strength. I want you to think about that. The, Jesus led them into the storm. You realize that, right? It didn't just accidentally happen. Jesus, Jesus, is the, Jesus knew there was going to be a storm. He knew where the storm was going to be located. And he said, let's go, let's go into the boat and let's go across the lake. Let's go into it. Let's go straight into it. He led them into it, right? Because sometimes we need to experience God's strength to really know who he is. And a lot of times we're not going to experience his strength unless we're in a storm. As I was studying this passage this struck me. I never saw this before. I've never seen this before. I never heard on, never heard anybody preach on this before. But something struck me when I was reading this passage and researching it. I want to show it to you. It, at the beginning of the story, when it describes the storm, it says, "And a great windstorm arose." Okay, 
a great windstorm. So when I study, I like to see what it says in English and then I like to drill down and see what it says in Greek just in case there's something I'm missing, okay? When I looked up this word in the Greek, the word that they use for great is the word megas. This is where we get the word mega, like megaplex, mega vitamin, whatever, megatron, whatever. <laughs> Big, it means lots, right? A bunch. So this was a mega storm, the scripture says. This was a huge storm. This is one of those storms that you just don't have control over. I, I met with some of the men in our church who have a life group down at the Shaw campus, uh, men and women, uh, who, who are coming through addiction. Uh, and they've been in the storm of addiction. And they've been bound by addiction. And they're down there together and they're reminding each other that the God in our boat is bigger than the storm in our life. And they, they're, they're going through mega storms, but they believe in a mega God. And so, so they're down there doing it together and working together. I want you to know that God sees you in the midst of the mega storm. It was a mega storm. But then this is what was interesting to me. Because when Jesus spoke, right? He woke, rebuked, wind, set the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased. And then it says, and there was a great calm. So I clicked on my little Greek link. And I found out that this word is megas. In other words, the, the calm that happened was as big as the storm that had happened. The storm that came along when Jesus spoke to it became so still and so peaceful and so quiet and so calm. It was a mega calm. It was peace beyond understanding. It was peace like a river. It was peace beyond anything you've ever experienced in your life. It was still. It was quiet. And the disciples were so amazed and so blown away by what was happening. That Look at this. This is my last one for you. And they were filled with great fear. I looked up this word in the Greek. You know what word it is? Take a wild guess. They were, they were filled with mega awe, with mega reverence, with, with the fear of God. In other words, it was the big storm that allowed them to finally recognize the bigness of the God in their boat. They had mega, this is the only kind of fear that the Bible allows us to experience. The fear of God. Every other fear, he says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. The fear of God, it's just it's just this awesome presence of God. It's the, it's, this is what happens when you realize the magnitude of the God you serve. My prayer for you is that it would, is that his, the reality of who he is would break through so powerfully in your life that the storm that you are experiencing becomes mega calm in your mind. Because the, the grandeur and the greatness and the majesty and the bigness of God becomes so big that you are awestruck. That you, you, you will experience the mighty God through the megastorm. I'm going to put this last one. It's through your megastorms that we experience the mighty God. See, Jesus brought him into the storm. Not because he was being mean. Not because he didn't care. Not because he was being callous. But he was revealing something to them in this storm. He was saying, look, I, I really want you to know who I am. I'm not just your teacher. I'm not just a, an interesting moral rabbi. I'm not going to have you just share your pizza. I'm going to multiply it. Amen. <laughs> right? 
I'm, I'm, I'm almighty God. This is the story of Christmas. Almighty God, maker of heaven and earth, wrapped himself in flesh as a little child lying in a manger. He grew up. He taught us. He died. He was buried. He rose again. He ascended to heaven. And now he breathes his spirit into your life. Those of you who turn your hearts to him and commit to him. And almighty God is in your boat. Do you realize that? All, do you realize that? Almighty God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, is in your boat. He's in your life. He's in your circumstances. He's in your pain. He's in your storm. I pray today, I mean, I don't know how to, how to bring this all the way home, but I really pray today that you, somewhere in your mind or in your heart, it cracks open and you go, oh, it's mighty God in my boat. It's not just me getting through life and hoping for the best, but almighty God is in my heart and he's in my life and he's in my circumstances and he cares. I hope that today you answer the question for yourself that the disciples asked when they said, who is this? Who is this that the wind and the sea obey him? Maybe in your own life today, you don't know who Jesus is. I mean, when I say no, I mean know it. You, you, you like him. You read about him. You're, you're kind of into him. You're a fan. Uh, thumbs up on Jesus, right? But you haven't experienced him in your heart in your life as the mighty God of your boat the one who's taking you through the storm because when you do those storms just diminish it's not that you won't face them it's just it's just that the power of the God inside of you is so much greater than the circumstances around you that the circumstances around you seem calm by comparison you're blown away by the almighty God this is my prayer for you today I believe there are some people here today that are in storms, that are in circumstances, that you are, they're running around in your mind over and over, and you're worrying about the negative possible consequences. You're thinking about the past. You're thinking about the future. What's going to happen? When's it going to happen? How's this all going to work out? I want to say, just look at the, look at the man in the boat. Let almighty God be present in your life today. He's our wonderful counselor. He's our mighty God. He's our everlasting Father. He's our Prince of Peace. Let me pray for you. Father, we're grateful for your word and we're grateful for the reality that you are in our life in ways that we can't even begin to imagine. I pray for each person who has not experienced you as their mighty God, that today you would reveal yourself to them in absolutely powerful, true ways in ways that they can't even begin to comprehend god i pray for those of us who have had the experience of you as mighty god in our life but who have allowed ourselves to get distracted by the storms that you would press through into our hearts and make yourself known again that the mighty god of the universe is in our life in our relationships in our homes in our church in our workspace at our school you're here you're with us you're in us let us experience the incarnation, the, 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 the God wrapped in flesh. Let us experience you, God, this Christmas in a way that we've never experienced you before as the true God, the mighty God who loves us and who steers us through every storm. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.